Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today we are going to go through some questions that I have received from various people. And um, I'm doing questions today because we, we finished the Gospel of John yesterday. And I am not sure yet what I want to teach through next. I'm praying about it. But if you have uh, a suggestion of a book that you would like to study... Um, feel free to, to send me a message and give your input. I don't guarantee that I will listen to it, um, but I, I do want to teach things that people are interested in, in um, going through. Someone suggested today that we go through the Book of Acts next, which would be a fitting, uh, a fitting next book to go through since we've just finished um, the fourth gospel account and we'd be moving into the Acts of the Apostles. So perhaps we will. I'm undecided yet, though. And uh, along with that, I encourage anyone who ever has a question that they would like me to try to respond to from Scripture, feel free to send me a message on WhatsApp. And I will, as I go through lessons where I do Q&A, I will try to respond in time. Um, thank you for listening to another episode. And with that being said, uh, let me begin the first question. It is this, how can I keep close to God? Very wonderful question, very basic question for us as believers. How do I keep a close walk, keep a close relationship, relationship, keep close fellowship with God? So the question about keeping close to God demands that we understand what separates us from God. And let's consider this passage from Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2 to begin, where God says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. So the short answer is that sin is what separates us from God. So there's a variety of different types of sin, but ultimately, all sin is what separates us from God. So how do I keep from sinning? Well, in Psalm 119, from verse 9 to 11, we read, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Storing God's word in our hearts brings us under the right influence. And something the psalmist says in, in that middle verse, in verse 10, where he says that with my whole heart I seek you. You know, people are always victims of their strongest desires. Ultimately, we make decisions based on what we want the most. So a key then for us, if, if we de desire close fellowship with God, we've got to desire that more than any other desires in us. And how do we, how do we foster? Because we know we have sinful desire, right? Fallen desire, desires of our flesh that contradict what? The new desires, the desires of the Holy Spirit. So how do we foster stronger desires in our spirit and weaken the desires of our flesh? In Romans chapter 6, verse 13 and 14, we are told, do not present your members, that's, that's a, a verb meaning to submit yourself to the authority here, 
Don't present your, your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves or submit yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. So God tells us that if we submit ourselves to the Spirit's instructions, to God's commands, and his desires, which are in us, if we've been born of God's spirit, we have God's desires in us, then we will not be slaves to the desires of our flesh. But if we submit ourselves to the, to the desires of our flesh, we will find that we become slaves to that. So those principles can help us keep close to God. And along with that, God says it's the love of other things besides him, which often come between us and him. For example, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, we read, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, we're told, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires, that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And then in James chapter 4, verse 4, we read, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? That means to, to make God your enemy. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So if you are allowing desires for any of those things to control you, desire for the world, friendship with the world, love of money, that's going to separate you from fellowship with God. Next question. What is the right day of Sabbath? The Sabbath was a day God instituted at creation. It was the seventh and final day of creation, according to God's account of creation in Genesis. The number seven represents completion. Everything God made was finished and good. In the law, God commanded the people do no work on the last day of their week, and that was called the Sabbath. They were to rest from all work and spend time seeking God. In the early church, the people adopted a practice of meeting on the first day of their week rather than the last day. This honored the day Jesus rose from the dead. Their idea was that we want to give God the first part of ourselves in each area of our lives. Similarly, the Israelites were commanded to give a tithe, which means a tenth, to the Lord, whereas tithing is not mentioned in the New Testament in instruction for the church. But the idea with tithing and the Sabbath practices often gave people a mindset of taking care of all of their own desires first, and then with whatever was left, they would give to the Lord. The church reversed this mindset with the desire that God should have the first parts of all things. That's also why you hear your pastors telling you to read your Bible and pray at the beginning of your day rather than the end. It's good to read and pray at any time, but it's best to also begin your day by fellowshipping with God. Romans chapter 14 verse 5 and 6 tell us this. One person esteems one day as better than another, 
while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. This is clearly stating that to God, every day is the same. But there are some people whose consciences convict them that they need to rest on Saturdays or observe other days in a special way. There are some Christians who believe you shouldn't work on Sundays. This is a bit ironic because for myself as a pastor, Sunday is one of my busiest work, busiest work days with teaching so much. Churches can meet any day of the week that best fits with the members' schedules to allow them all to be together. And by the way, there's no rule that the church is restricted to meeting only one day a week. The church could meet seven days in a week if it worked for everyone to, to gather together that frequently. God makes it clear if anyone is weak in their conscience in this matter, they should honor their conscience by observing the day that they feel is right. There's an entire denomination called Seventh-day Adventists who keep the Old Testament Sabbath day. Mature believers see that keeping a specific day doesn't win you any favor with God, but that all of our lives ought to be holy before him. Then our last question for today is, how can I realize that God is by my side in times of trouble, of, in times of trouble, in times of sorrow, and in times of joy? I want to begin there with Romans chapter 8 from verse 34 to 39, which says, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The best way to be reminded God is always with us, whether in sorrow or joy, is to believe the statements in God's word. In those verses I read, we see that Christians will go through many trials, but none of those difficulties take us away from God. He has said he will never leave us nor forsake us. We just have a problem in our perception about circumstances. When we go through trials, we often ask God, where are you? Or God, why are you doing this to me? Romans chapter 8, verse 28, informs our perspective on whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things, notice that, I'm emphasizing all things, work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. There is good purpose in suffering. Then on the other side, we sometimes have things we get so excited about, we forget the source of true joy. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20, when the disciples came back from preaching the gospel in the towns of Israel, they say this, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, 
even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The disciples were excited about the wrong thing, according to Jesus. True joy comes from peace with God. Knowing that in no matter what circumstances you find yourself, your name will forever be written in heaven. But sometimes we can also have something that gives us a temporary high, and we decide to chase that feeling instead of resting in our true source of joy. Remember the story of Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration? Elijah and Moses appeared, and those men witnessed Jesus in his glory. And Peter says, while this is taking place, asking God, let me build three shelters, asking Jesus, let me build three shelters for each one of you. And the implication was that Peter wanted to stay up there always. He didn't want to lose that feeling of ecstasy in the presence of God. And sometimes we do that too. We want to stay in that moment of excitement, but that isn't life. So when we come down off the figurative mountain, we get depressed and start looking for an opportunity to repeat that moment. A lot of the charismatic church is like that. You have services where people are just rolling around on the floor in a trance as they sing songs, and then they fall asleep during the preaching of the word. The key is to maintain the perspective that Paul had in Philippians 4, verses 11 to 13, where he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's the same grace that keeps us, whether we have good health or poor health, whether we have no money or much money. We can pass through that situation through Christ who gives us strength. God bless you all.